church. Give them another hand for that great song. Amen. Good job, guys. Wonderful. Wonderful. God bless y'all. That's wonderful. Well, while we're taking a moment, our children's church will be gathering over to my left and your right. Lori, you in charge today or? No. Just as long, just as, long as Biscuit isn't here, we're good. All right. All right. Well, good. So children's church is assembling right now. And if you'd like, you're young and like to go to children's church I'm right here with Michael. You go, you're, you're going as one of the children, though. All right. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1. I call your attention to verse 10. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. But before we uh, get too far into that today, I wanted to share a short video with you. Is it ready, Steve? Time out on that? Just keep talking. I'm doing great. Hey, this video is a uh, quick, uh, it's about two and a half minutes or so, but most of you are aware, if you've been around for any period of time the past few years, of our partnership with uh, Awaken City Church in Harriman, Utah, uh, 45 miles southwest of Salt Lake City, and we have a team going out next week to help with Kids Camp, which we call VBS, and we're excited about that group going out. But every soul that's won the kingdom of God out there is just super, they're all special. They're super special. We just witnessed Believer's Baptism where we were able to celebrate, wasn't we? We celebrated with JoJo because, man, we're just excited for him and his family, what God is doing. And as a church family, you affirmed his decision and just really celebrated the goodness and the grace of God. Well, in the state of Utah, of course, you know, is that area we're serving in is upwards of 98% lost without God. Less than 2% evangelical Christians. So there's a great need and a burden for the gospel there. So when a person is one to the kingdom of God there, they don't have the abundance of people cheering them on like we do here in the Bible Belt. Many of them are ostracized from their families, in danger of losing employment, all sorts of things simply because they have placed faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for eternal salvation and have left the Mormon teaching, Mormon church. So therefore, there's a great difference in the way they're received as well as us. So we have a short video today that is a brother who's recently been one to the family of God. And out in Utah, Pastor Derek, he's got the shiny head there. And the brother with the black shirt says, made new. He's the one about to be baptized. And he shares a short testimony that I felt like all of us need to hear because we are partnering with Awaken City and other churches there in Utah and southern Idaho to penetrate lostness with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to just share quickly. Are we ready now, Steve? We're good to go? We see him. He's on the screen. So he's going to share his testimony. Just share just a little bit of what God has done in his life with all of us. Awesome. Well, I was actually getting really emotional in there listening to the message and just the, the songs and just worship always gets me. But um, I think the reason why is just because I realized that, like it reminded me how broken I was before I came to, to Jesus. And I think one of the biggest things in my life was just that I thought I had everything together. I thought like life was great. And there was a, an emptiness, like a void inside of me that I would fill with nonsensical things, frivolous activities, substances, um, addictions, things that just didn't serve me, didn't, they, they were fleeting, right, It'd feel good for a minute and then they would be gone, and um, and so just to say that I was a sinful man is kind of an understatement, um, but like most people, you know, with my highs and lows in life, um, I actually had to hit one of my lowest points to, in order to kind of humble myself and put my pride aside and ask for help and in Jesus. Um, I'm definitely grateful for God for never stopping like pursuing me because um, I had gone completely uh, 180. did not believe in God for a long time and um, I just know that he continuously worked in my life and uh, has always been extremely 
your profession of faith and our Lord's command. I baptize you now, my brother. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We notice next week when they get there, it's only going to be 104 there, okay? So it's hot there in a desert. But here's what I want to do too, uh, guys. Uh, I think we really need to celebrate that baptism, don't you? And we need to send a little clip, Steve, of what we're about to do to our brother in Utah. Uh, we really need to celebrate with this brother because those people out there in the yard, that's all he's got, them and Jesus right now, okay? But they need to know that in Heflin, Alabama, long ways away, 2,200 miles away, that there's a partner church that is extremely excited about this brother's decision to follow Jesus. So I'm going to count us down, three, two, one. Keith, you're going to help me, alright? When we get to three, two, one, contact zero, we're going to really celebrate this brother's baptism, alright? And we're going to send this to Utah so they'll know we're with them. Ready? Three, two, one, contact. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty doggone good. I told y'all. It is. We uh, remind you again. I warned you when I came here. Churches take on the personality of their pastor, and it is happening to y'all. Y'all, I tell you, and I'm kind of liking it. Amen. I really am. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse ten. 11 and 12, you find your place. Stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 2, I apologize. Verses 10, 11, and 12. Here's what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica. He said, you are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray you add your blessing to the reading of your word. We pray that the Son of God would be glorified through the faithful proclamation of the gospel today. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's Father's Day, guys. Uh, I don't know if y'all got a new... We used to give tie pins, but we don't wear a lot of ties anymore. We used to wear, get cufflinks. Don't do much of that anymore. So maybe you got a golf towel or something. I don't know. But hey, I hope that uh, your day is special and we're grateful to God for you. Speaking to you today on the subject of faithful fathering, and I just want to say today at the beginning, I know normally... The way this thing goes is on Mother's Day, mamas are so sweet, syrup won't melt in their mouth. And on Father's Day, daddies are so terrible, they just leave feeling beat down. Well, that's not my goal at all. I definitely want to help you, encourage you, because I see us as partners and co-laborers in the work of the gospel. I was reading recently in a, a book that I have by Ken Kenfield called They Call Me Dad. I've read a lot about being a dad over the years, and I realized that, you know, when I was growing up here as an athlete, I'd never be the fastest, I'd never be the strongest, I didn't have a lot of personal giftedness, but I knew that I could control two things, and one was my attitude and my effort. And in my work as a pastor, I know I'll never be the most gifted, I'm not the smartest, I don't have the greatest memory or articulation or oratory skills, but... I can control my attitude and my effort. And in being a dad, that's been very special to me too. But Ken Kenfield did extensive research for, in the writing of this book, and he wrote some things that really stirred my heart I want to share with you by way of introduction today. He said, if you consider the following, that children growing up in a home without a dad are much more likely to get into trouble with the authority, drop out of school, make poor grades, commit delinquent acts, engage in drug and alcohol abuse. Almost 60% of all children under the age of 18 will spend at least part of their childhood living apart from their fathers. In one study, 53% of Americans agreed with the statement 
Fathers don't know what's going on in their children's lives. 54% agree that most people, adults and children, have unresolved problems with their fathers. But you can also consider, on the positive note, that infants who have time alone with dad show a richer social and exploratory behavior than children not exposed to such experiences. They smile more frequently in general, and they more frequently present toys to their dad. Wow. Children who feel a closeness to their father are twice more likely to enter college or find stable employment after high school. Uh, they're also 80% less likely to spend time in jail and half as likely to experience depression. A four-decade study found that when dads encouraged their daughters to excel and achieve and were emotionally close to their sons, the daughters were more successful in school events and the sons achieved greater status later in life. Well, the data's pretty sobering when you read that. Extensive research went into discovering those facts to be true. Because the data is sobering, the absence of a father leaves the child at risk, often with the hopelessness and disaster that waits in the wings. But the presence of a dad, one who is especially warm and loving, he can breathe hope and life into that child. What's more difficult to track in our day and time is the impact of a dad who lives at home with his family but has not made fathering a priority in his life. There is a difference. See, while the situation may look better on the outside that they're present there in the home with a family, over time dads can cause the same pain as dads who were absent from the home. Well, in our text today, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, one of my favorite churches we read about in the New Testament because they were such a model of consistency and ministry to their area and beyond. I love this letter because it encourages me to always look to leave every situation better than I found it. I've always thought, felt that was important, whatever uh, place God placed us, firstly, wherever God places you, that you would have a goal and a heart in mind to leave it better than you found it. In chapter 2 of the, this book, Paul admonishes the church to continue to be faithful to the Lord as he prom promises them uh, the importance of being faithful to the gospel and he praises them for the difference they've made in the past. But in our text today, we find that he begins to talk about his deep affection for that local body of believers. And what we read today in verses 10 12, we read some interesting words concerning the manner in which his ministry team treated the believers at Thessalonica. He tells us in the beginning of that letter that he is Paul, and with him in his team is Silas and Timothy, two understudies that are his mentees. He is their mentor. He is pouring into their life. He is teaching them through his life and through the experiences that they share what it means to be on mission with God. So he talks about how they treated the church. Paul likened their relationship with the church as faithful mentors that function as spiritual fathers and leaders to this body of believers. So with today being Father's Day, I want you to know as I searched and looked hard and prayed much to what I would speak to you about today, the the Lord has really burdened my heart with these words from the Apostle Paul. His words remind us of the proper functioning of faithful fathering. And gentlemen, let me remind you today, I certainly want to be an encouragement to you, and I want you to know that whatever you struggle with, whatever difficulties come in your life, that Jesus is always the answer, and that as your brother, friend, and pastor, shepherd of this local church, I'm here to get in the gutter with you and help you see this thing through faithfully to the finish. Paul talks to us about faithful fathering, and he does so in verse 10 by speaking to us about the behavior of a father. One of my favorite verses in the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived apart from Jesus, 
He said in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7, that a just or a righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. And he talks about the walk of a righteous man and also uh, what will be produced by his faithful walk. Well, Paul begins to speak to us here about some things that are present in a faithful father's life and he begins by talking to us about devout leadership. He said in verse 10 there, excuse me, excuse me again, verse 10, uh, he said that you are witnesses and God also how devoutly, justly, and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Let's just walk through that verse together and let's just unpack it and see what Paul is saying about the behavior of a father. He provides devout leadership. If you watch much of modern TV or what's been going on the past 20, 30, maybe even 40 years, more and more we've seen the role of a father diminished as just merely an order taker in the house. Amen? Someone who's bumbling around with no direction, no purpose in life, someone who is providing no leadership. You know, gone are the days where we used to see Ward sit down and have a little talk with a beaver, amen? Then mama would come in and say, Ward, I think you were a little hard on the beaver today, amen? Now we don't see from things like that anymore. We don't see uh, leadership much from the father's role in the home. But biblically, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know it is a role that we cannot compromise, nor can we hand off to anyone else. It is the one that God has given us. Godly fathers, I believe, should never apologize for providing clear and distinct leadership for their family. Paul did not apologize for the way they led the church at Thessalonica. He likens his relationship to them as one of a father, and he is not apologetic, nor should any godly father apologize one whit for providing leadership for his family. I don't know if you believe this or not, but it has been my experience as a father and a pastor and just a person just living in this world that children desire leadership and they do desire discipline. They want somebody to show them where the guardrails are and if you take those down, they don't know where they are. They make up their own rules and those will never work. Amen? See, a leader loves those he leads. A father loves his children. He loves his wife. He also feeds them both physically and spiritually. Every dad I know that's worth his salt knows the importance of providing food and shelter and clothing for those under his care. But sometimes we get so caught up in providing food and shelter and clothing that we fail to invest in the spiritual realm, the spiritual life of these who will come behind us because we are so caught up in our careers and maybe even our hobbies. But he also does something else. He doesn't just feed them spiritually and physically. He also intercedes on their behalf before a holy God. A few weeks ago when Brooke got married, uh, it came time to give the bride away, and uh, she had no idea what I was about to say. And she thought I was going to say her mother and I, but I had a little more to say than that. Y'all can hardly believe that, right? But I, I shared with y'all a little bit the other week, and I told the pastor that was doing the wedding, my good friend, Brother Jay, I said, Brother Jay, God gave Brooke to our home 21 years ago. And I said, in that very day in Carrollton Hospital, I gave her back to him. And we began to pray right then for this day. We didn't know when it would come. We certainly didn't know she'd bring home an Auburn fan. But I, I didn't say that. But I said, we had no idea when this day would come or who this would be. But today we've come to bring her and present her as a bride to her husband. And we do so agreeing with God that God has made his choice for our daughter. And we agree with God on that today. See, praying for your children is something I believe, dads, we should never, ever take for granted. We should never do that. And see, in about five days, I'm going to get to do that very same thing again. And I've got a whole new speech, Kate. Oh, you, all right? See you everybody's telling me said man we really pray for you two girls getting married 35 days apart and I said you have no idea what that's like but anyhow 
But I am grateful because we began praying for them before they were ever born. I can remember as just a young, you know, Kate was born when I was 22, and I remember uh, talking to her. They, they told us even back then, talk to your baby while the baby's in the mother's womb. I remember talking to her and telling her I love her and praying for her before she was ever born. That's very important to me because I believe every spiritual leader, and Dad, I want you to know God has given you that responsibility. He's given you that title, but that title comes with a great task, and it means you must pick up the towel and serve. Amen? And when you do that, you seek God's will for your family. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, Fatherhood must be at the very core of the universe. Guys, I believe it's that important, devout leadership. But he also talks about something else. He talks about just lordship. And notice what he said. He said, we behaved ourselves devoutly and justly. That meant he did the right things at the right time, and everything he did was based on his relationship with God as him being lord of his life. See, he unashamedly proclaims his love and his allegiance to the Lord. Dad, don't ever let your children guess who you belong to. Don't let them ever wonder and guess about where you're going to spend eternity. Don't ever let them wonder and guess about whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Make sure that that is not only something that is listed on the roll down at the church, but it is something that is a part of your life that you are unashamed to proclaim, whether you're at church or in the marketplace, the workplace or wherever. Don't let them ever wonder about where daddy is going to spend eternity. Joshua, at the end of his life, and I tell you, Joshua's a wonderful example. Well, he was one who walked with God. He made mistakes. God used him greatly. And even when he failed, he returned his heart to God. He repented and he, he trusted God for the future. And at the end of his life, he said in Joshua 24, 15, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that meant that he would be the very center of everything they did and everything that came from that family would flow out of a loving relationship with the Son of God. Devout leadership, just lordship, but he also talked about a blameless lifestyle. He said we behaved ourselves devoutly. We behaved ourselves justly. And he said we also were blameless among you. When I read about being blameless, my mind runs to two people in Scripture. One is in the Old Testament, one is in the New Testament. And the first, of course, is our good friend Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 1, here's how the Word of God... Now, guys, get this. On the pages of Holy Scripture, the testimony of a man of God is written down. Here's what he said. He said, there is a man in the land of us whose name is Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. Wouldn't it be something if that could be said of you? That when your days were over, your children could say, my daddy was a man who was blameless and upright. He was a man who feared God. He was a man who shunned evil. But in the New Testament, there's also the recording of a man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 verse 2 where the Bible says that Cornelius was a devout man one who feared God with all of his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always ladies and gentlemen can you imagine what it must be like to have that kind of testimony written down and inspired from the heart of God to your heart and mine today See, I believe one of the best gifts that a dad can give his children is a testimony of integrity, a blameless lifestyle. Not only does he talk about the behavior of the father, but he also talks about a blueprint for the family in verse 11. See, I believe every strong structure, this building, any building that stood any test of time, was first begun to, before it was even built, there was a clear set of blueprints that told the height, the width, and the depth, told how much concrete, how many blocks, how many bricks, told all these things. And Paul gives us a very clear blueprint for the family in verse 11. He said these words. He said, and you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. 
Well, what's the first one? Walk with it with me. Walk through it with me. The first thing he says a father does is he gives extensive encouragement. Listen to me, Dad. Your babies, whether they're nine months old or 99 months old or anywhere in between or if they're older, they need to know that their daddy believes in them. Anybody with me? You will never know how important your encouragement is and never discount its value to your child. Regardless whether your child is young or old or grown or whatever, never stop encouraging them. Say, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I, last time I seen him, he looked all right. Well, how do you know if your child needs encouragement? I'll just refer you back to Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy said, how do you know when a person needs encouragement? Just simply if they're breathing. If your child is breathing today, Dad, could I encourage you to take them by the arms and hug their neck and let them know that you love them, you are proud of them, and not, there's not anything they can do about it. Amen? It's very important we do that. See, on two occasions, even God the Father expressed his approval and his affirmation of his son. One of those was at his baptism in Mark chapter 1. Just like old Joe, man. Joe, Joe got baptized. Y'all, man, y'all affirmed him. Y'all encouraged him. Boy, y'all gave approval. That meant so much. But as much as that means, think what it must have meant when Jesus was in River Jordan with John the Baptist. Now keep in mind, he walked 70 miles to get there. It's pretty important. 70 mile walk, he's in the Jordan River, an old dirty river with John the Baptist. They're lined up. John's never laid eyes on him, but for the first time he sees him, he says, behold the Lamb of God. It takes away the sin of the world. Jesus walks down into the Jordan. He is baptized by John, and when he is baptized by John, that signaled the end of John's ministry, the beginning of Jesus. That meant that John was about to decrease. Jesus is about to increase. At that very moment, a dove descended from the heaven and landed upon him, and then a voice, a voice came from heaven, said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There was another occasion at the Mount of Transfiguration. He was there with Peter, James, and John there at the Mount of Transfiguration and they witnessed something that no one else has ever seen. They literally saw Jesus transfigured before their very eyes. He said, now, that's kind of a fancy word. They didn't teach me what that meant when I was going to school. I want to help you, okay? That meant that all the glory that was on the inside Oh, oh, stay with me, church. Listen, all of the glory that was on the inside became visible on the outside. Golly, metamorphosis took place in the presence of those boys. They saw all the glory of Jesus. And what happened? Oh, once again, God spoke from heaven, gave approval and affirmation to his son. Oh, listen, there are three lessons we learn, and I didn't put these on the screen, so you stay with me, okay? On the two occasions where God spoke from heaven in approval and affirmation of his son, we learned some lessons. One, we learned this, that God communicated belonging to Jesus. You know what he's saying? He said, this is my son. Not just any son, not just anybody's son. This boy belongs to me. I never had a son. And I know y'all thinking it's a good thing you didn't. You'd have probably killed him. But anyhow, no, I wouldn't have. We got close a few times, but no. no but I want to tell you something, dads. If you have sons, you know what I'm talking about. There's just a bond you have with your son, even though you may not always see eye to eye. It's what me and my daughters always say. It's not about always seeing eye to eye, but we always stay heart to heart. Amen? And you have those boys, and they're full of energy, and they're full of all kinds of stuff, and they're full of bull sometimes, and you have to deal with that, right? So here's what we know. But when it came down to God speaking about his one and only son, Jesus, he communicated that his son belonged to him because he personally referred to him as his son. Your son needs to know that you're glad that he's yours. 
That's good for girls too now. He also, there was another lesson he communicated. He communicated value. He said, he's not just my son, he's the one I love. My son whom I love. He was communicating his value. I wonder today, if we took a survey of young people and they answered honestly without any fear of repercussion, how valuable do you feel to your mom and dad? I believe we would be heartbroken if we read the results. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know if God made it a point to say that his son was of value, please make sure that you let your baby boys and girls know, regardless of the age, how valuable they are to you. And thirdly, he bestowed confidence. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. You know, I got two daughters. One of them's a teacher. One of them's going to be a nurse few months so y'all go ahead and get your hospital visits in for no yeah <laughs> some of y'all just getting that all right speak loud so everybody can hear me right you got me up there Wayne you got all right but uh and, and you know what I've made clear to both of them is that the safest place on the planet for you is in the will of God and the very thing you need to do with your life is the reason for which God placed you on this planet. And I've said to them that their whole life, and regardless whether one of them teaches school, the other's a nurse or whatever, I said, as long as you're not involved in something illegal, immoral, unethical, or extra-biblical, we're good. Amen? So whatever it is, well, that will is taking both of them away from not only my home, but for the first time in forever in my ministry, next Sunday, I will no longer be either one of them's pastor. Whew. I didn't like saying that. Yeah. But you know what I tried to prepare them for? Is that the day would come when I wouldn't be. But I've really talked to them about how to treat a preacher. You with me, right? I have said those same things to my daughters over and over. If someday I won't be your pastor and God's going to bring somebody who knows what they're doing into your life to help you, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. I always count on you, brother. You're taking after Steve. We need to stop that. Now, you can't have fun in church, right? Most Baptists look sad as a donkey out in the field and I'm just sad crying but yeah we're not sad we're, we have a lot of fun here. but I've told him I said God's going to give you another pastor and I said number one don't you ever be ashamed to let them know you love them don't you ever be ashamed to let them know you support them don't you ever let them be ashamed to let them know you're praying for them and I said and as long as they don't do anything illegal immoral unethical or preach extra biblical doctrine I said you support them with all your heart don't ever be a source of contention. Don't ever gossip about them. Don't ever say bad things to your little circle of friends about them. Don't ever gripe about what they do. Don't gripe. You love them. I mean that. And I'll tell you, I think that's very important. That extensive encouragement extends beyond any borders we could ever set. Your children, they need to know that. So I encourage my children, I encourage your children to chase the will of God with all their heart. But he also talks about consistent comfort. He said, we comforted those. See, I believe everyone has fears and how fathers address the fears of their children is very critical. You know what they need? They need confidence in your commitment, Dad, that you would provide for them, you would protect them, that you would literally stand in the gap on their behalf. And then he talks about constructive charging. He said, we loved you we were compassionate toward you, but we also charged you, just like a father does. That means he gave direction. That meant he provided discipline for these people. He gave them the guardrails. He gave them the do's and don'ts and all those things, but he provided direction for them to accomplish the will of God. And finally, he talks about the benefits of faithfulness. And I want to stop here for just a minute and I'm done. The benefits of faithfulness. Look at verse 12 again. He says, and to wait, excuse me, I'm sorry, back up. 
that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. The benefits of faithfulness. There's two things. One, that you would provide and exhibit devout character. Devout character. When I think about the character of a godly man, there are many people come to my mind in my experience, my life, there are also many from Scripture, and I just want to mention briefly a few things about the character of a great encourager who was a devout man, a man named Barnabas. Barnabas is talked about in Acts chapter 11, and it gives us a clear picture into what kind of man he was. We find out that he was an excited man, he was an encourager, he was an example, and he was an evangelist. He was glad, he encouraged all who believed, he was an example to the faithful, and he shared the gospel. Dad, one of the greatest things you can do is for your children to see that you're unashamed to be excited about Jesus. You're unashamed to demonstrate your love for him. You're unashamed to encourage others every chance you get. You're unashamed to be a faithful example of being what a follower of Christ should be. And you're unashamed to share your faith with others and invite them to follow Jesus. And then he talks about a distinct calling. He said, he who calls you in his own kingdom and glory. Dad, listen to me. God has given you a wonderful privilege of being a dad. That's one of my favorite parts of my life. I am more excited about being a dad than I am being a pastor. Because I've always told my children, and I've had this happen, that regardless of who's ever walked out on me, and in ministry it's out in a bunch of times, I could always count on their mama and them to be standing there to catch me when I fell. Being a dad is a wonderful thing because you've invested in your tribe. You've invested your love. You've invested loyalty. You've invested time, effort, energy into them. And because of that, you're building something that will outlast your life. We're all going to be remembered for something. And we're going to be remembered more so not so much about how we lived as how we left. And one day we will all leave this world and we will enter eternity. And we will either enter eternity as a born-again child of God, ushered into the presence of God by the angels in glory. Amen. Or we will leave this world as an enemy of so wait, preacher, I'm not God's enemy. I haven't done anything to hurt God. I just kind of stayed to myself. I, oh, hear me. He said, you're either for me or against me. And when you enter eternity as an enemy of God, instead of being ushered into the presence of God by the angels of God, you will spend eternity separated from God in a Christless hell. Now, friend, I'll tell you how you can fix that today. By simply surrendering to Jesus Christ. By simply admitting that you are a sinner and by simply confessing that he is Lord and surrendering your life to his lordship. And then you know what you can do? You can take that relationship and that legacy and you pass it on to the ones that come behind. And you know what you empower that generation to do? To pass it on to the ones that come behind them. And then you build a lasting legacy, generation after generation, of children who followed God because Daddy did. The statistics are alarming. That when Dad comes to Christ first, 93% of the time the wife and children follow him in committing to Christ. But when the mom comes without the dad, the numbers drop significantly. And then when children have to come on their own, they drop significantly. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I'm, I'm just a grandparent. I, I'm here with my grandchildren. I, I, I don't know what I can do. I want you to look right here. If it were not for a praying grandmother, 
I would probably be headed to hell today. Don't ever discount the influence you have as a grandparent. They probably like you better than they do their mom and daddy. say well, wait a minute preacher uh, I didn't have anybody to tell me about Jesus not a parent not a grandparent you, you may say I never had a father figure role in my life to show me the way to go can I help you with something you can leave here today with a new father you can leave here today with somebody else in charge of your life that loves you and will never leave you and never forsake you and his name is Jesus Christ I want you to know today, maybe you came and you said, hey, I just witnessed my buddy Jojo's baptism. Remember, that took a lot of courage. And maybe his walk and maybe his commitment might encourage you to make the same decision. Or maybe you're here today and you were invited by a friend and they're following Jesus and they're unashamed. Maybe their testimony will help bring you to Christ. But whatever you do, don't turn away a father who will never leave you. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much for the wonderful privilege you've given me on this Lord's Day, this Father's Day, to honor a father who will even be a father to the fatherless one who will never leave us, one who will never forsake us, one who will never, ever waver in his commitment to us. Father, I pray today that fathers in this house who have children and grandchildren, Father, that they have been encouraged today to walk with you, to be an encourager as Barnabas, to be devout like Job and Cornelius. God, I pray today you'd raise up a generation of daddies that were just unashamed to declare their faith in you and lived it out every day. Father, you know what we need in this hour. God, you know the very deepest needs and the darkest recesses of our hearts. I pray, Father, you'd add to this church today those who are being saved. And you continue to use us to be a light to a hurting world. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to stand to your feet all across the house. And I want you to hear me. Just a minute, Marty's going to sing. He's going to lead us. When Marty leads us today, I want you to hear me. God has spoken to your heart today. Please don't turn him away. You say, this is a crowded room of people. You know, I'm kind of, listen to me. If God is calling you today, listen. You're in a room full of people that will celebrate your commitment to Christ. You're in a room full of people that will help bear your burdens. In a room full of people who just want God's will to be done in your life as theirs. So as Marty leads us, you step into that nearest aisle. I'll be here to receive you and just come to Jesus. Marty, when you're ready, buddy. Let's make us our prayer this morning. Change my heart, oh God. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You're the potter. You are the potter. Make me the 
August, August 15th. We do have several things nailed down, several things still working on. If you'd like to uh, volunteer to help with that event, there's always needs in lots of different ways. I forgot to tell you, you could usually tear off. You can also tear off and write the Gridiron Volunteer in your name. You can leave it in the lobby on the way out or at the Welcome Center, whichever way you exit. And we'll be putting that list together, and our mission coordination team will be in contact and be scheduling a meeting soon to get everybody together for that very, very important day coming up here real soon, okay? Wednesday night at 6, everybody, children, students, youth, uh, and, and adults at 6 here Wednesday night, and we look forward to seeing you here and just look forward to a great time. And always remember this, church, and you know from my heart, I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it. Amen. Amen. As we stand together, Marty's going to sing us out. And I'm going to go out front and I'll be there to, to receive you as we dismiss today. Family of God. I'm so